0: All right. Well, hey, good morning. I'm Mark, executive pastor here. I want to welcome you to the Grove Church on Father's Day as well. And also to this series, Head and Heart, that we, uh, this is the third, the third week. So if you've, if you've been around, uh, kind of explain where we're going with this. If you haven't, I'd encourage you to go back and, uh, and check out those videos from the last few weeks, because uh, it's just been a really encouraging series for me. And, and what we're talking about is this, this incredible invitation. That the, that the living God has given to us to know him and how Jesus, I mean, when he defines eternal life, that's how he, he defines it. This is, this is it. This is knowing and being in relationship with this God. And what the first week we just talked about, what, what an incredible invitation that is, that he would make it possible that we would have gone our own way and chased our own things, and that he would make it possible for us to be made right with God through Jesus, and then to, to know him, not just, not just know about him, not just to know facts, but, but to know him at a deep emotional, relational level, and that he, he desires that, how amazing that invitation is. And then, and then last week, uh, Charlie kind of took an overview of the, the Old Testament, and really focused in on the, on the book of Jonah to look at, hey, what has he revealed about himself in the scriptures in the Old Testament? What about his character, about his nature? What can we know about him? Charlie's going to come back next week and talk New Testament. What In the New Testament, what did he reveal? You know, what, what things can we pick up about who God is and who Jesus, what he did, so that we can understand better, you know, what his character and what his nature, what it looks like and and in this week i, I just really want to focus on uh again on our on our heart but in particular what it looks like to to experience god uh, uh kind of real in a real practical way uh, if you've been around the grove for a while you know summer summer sometimes it's <laughs> it's a little bit different than this is going to be a little bit different sermon than normal mainly, maybe but uh, but talking about you know what is what does it look like to to know him experientially actually listening to charlie's sermon last week really made me think about jonah's just such a good example. I mean, here are these here are these truths about God. He He hates sin. He is opposed to it, and yet He He loves people who have sinned. And His grace is huge and abounding. His compassion is incredible. He's He's slow to anger, abounding in love. And so here you've got this this Jonah who he's sending who knows this character of God and is running the other way because he knows if he takes that message that people will repent and that God will show his graciousness. And so knowing that truth, he runs the other way. And then the whole story about how he comes back around and the fish and all that, you know, then he ends up and then, and then sure enough, and that's what he says. in, in Jonah chapter four, sure enough, I knew this is what you were going to do. I was going to come and tell them that they should repent. And sure enough, they repent and what do you do? You show your grace, you show your compassion, you show your abounding love because that's who you are. And so you see this, not just knowing about it, but this experience that Jonah has with God where he he finds out in real time, in real life, this is how this plays out. This people has run from God and God chases them down and when they repent, he, he meets them with open arms. Sees it with his own eyes. He experienced it. He participated with it in real time and space. And you know, this uh, experiential knowledge is something that when you just talk about relationships with friends, if you think about the, the people that you know best, there was some point in time where you not only knew facts about them, but it shifted to where you started to to know them at a deeper level experientially and the things that they cared about you, you did with them or, or something like that. You you didn't just know about them, but you but you knew what they felt and what they thought and you you experienced life with them. Uh, we think about relationship with God a lot of times as daunting and complicated and and it seems really far out there, but really it's the, it's the same concept. You know, if I meet you today, what do we do in the beginning? In the beginning of the conversation, we we talk facts. Where are you from? What's your name? what kind of job do you do? Married, single, kids, no kids, you new to town, been here for a while, you know, those kind of things. And then what do we start looking for? We find these facts out and then then we're looking for how our facts somehow connect. What are, what are, what's the crossover? What's the like experiences? What's the things that we have in common? Uh, you know, things that we like to do that are similar. What? What are those kinds of things? We're looking for connections. I always think it's funny being from small town, the way that we do that as compared to to folks that came from maybe a bigger community. You know, if somebody says they're from Queen, I'm like, oh yeah, I know you, or I know somebody that you know. Or I know, you know, or if you're from basically that whole side of the state, like, yeah, you, know, you, th- you throw out a name. I'm like, well, I mean, I might not know you in particular, but I know your granddad. Uh, so sometimes I'll meet somebody from Houston and then say, oh, I know somebody from Houston. <laughs> And they'll go, well, it's not really, it, didn't really, it didn't really work like that in Houston. And then I'll say, oh, yeah, I guess, I mean, over time, I've realized that, you know, not, not everybody, not everybody had that same experience that I had. And maybe, maybe Houston's a little bit bigger than the queen. Uh, but that's not that what we're always doing? Is like, oh, well, I know you, and he knows him, and then we do this. Or, oh, you like to do that? Well, I like to do this. And so we try to make those connections. And honestly, I mean, maybe you guys are way different than me, but that's, that's kind of where it stops, you know, hey, we've made some connections, we know some similar people, we have some like interests. Um, somebody that's, that's in here, I mean, I, one time we, we, we realized that we both like to play disc golf. And so then every time we see each other, it's like, hey, we should totally play disc golf together sometime. Yeah, you, we should play disc golf. Yeah, we should. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Hey, when's the last time you played disc golf? I did the other day. Maybe we should do that together sometime. But we never have taken the step to to do it together. And that's what happens most of the time. We're we're comfortable in knowing the facts and knowing our crossover and feeling like we can relate to one another. But think about your deep relationships. At some point, it went from that to we're doing things together. I uh, got a buddy that I'd kind of done the fact check. I knew some things about him, knew that he was an engineer when he would start talking about the things that he would create, a lot of it, he had patents for and that they were, he's selling him and his company, they're selling it to factories. And he's, he's kind of got the, the corner on the market. Cause he's the only one he came up with the idea and makes it. He's the only one that can go to the factory to check on it. Cause he's the only one that knows how it works because he's the one that made it. And I've always just been fascinated in those conversations, knew that he liked to work on cars and and got to a place where with my, my Jeep, I needed to do some work. Didn't really want to pay for a mechanic to do it, because I felt like I could almost do it myself, but I didn't have all the tools, I didn't have the place, and I needed somebody with a little bit more knowledge than me. And I thought, oh man, that that guy. So his his shop's not too far from here. So I asked him and he was game. And so a Friday night and a Saturday we spent in his shop. And we did the work on the Jeep, but while we were there, you know, getting greasy, using all those tools, looking at all the cool things and things that he had, and Tim telling me more about the things that he made, I mean, after, a, you know, about... 12 hours together with this guy in his place, in his space, doing his thing, getting our hands dirty together, I felt like our relationship just bloop. Now, all of a sudden, we've experienced things together. I know who he is. When he's talking about he's over at his work, I know exactly what that is because I've been there. I hung out with him there. I know what that tool is that I didn't know what it was before. I know that that company and that device that I I don't know what what I'm looking at, but he does, and that's really neat that he made that, and he came up with it himself. But until you do that, you don't really know somebody. And sometimes that's uncomfortable because I don't know all the things about that. Now, if we were in an area that I had expertise and I was talking about it, then that's easy, but that's his area of expertise. And I'm over here looking at it with him, but it made me feel so close to him and so tight with him. Um, way back when I first started to really try to understand what it looked like to follow Jesus, Terry and I were at a conference and, uh, This speaker honestly uh, wasn't a great speaker. Uh, Don't remember a whole lot, but there was this one illustration that has always stuck with me. And I think it was because it made me really angry at first. He's going, he's talking about whatever he's talking about, and then he just kind of stops and says, Man, I love these blue jeans. I looked over at Terry like, what is he talking about? And then he said, Can you you look at him? I don't want to look at your blue jeans, man. Just keep teaching the Bible. No, I like my blue jeans. See the way these, man, these knees. Man, there's almost a hole there. And he told us, you know, a little story about man. I remember when we did this and that almost. I mean, this was back when jeans didn't. You didn't buy them with holes. You know, you had to like make the holes. Like, man, and you know, they fit just right. Like, when I go to my closet, I mean, I got some new jeans, but you need to put those on, and they're all tight. I mean, these are shaped to fit my body just right. I just, I mean, when I go to my closet, which jeans do I want? I, no, I want those jeans. I take those. We've done a lot of life together, me and these jeans. I mean, what, what's the point of this? Finally, he gets down to the end, and he's like, man, think about relationship with, with Jesus. It's in those moments. It's, it's the moment that we scraped our knee together. It's the moment that we were doing, we were doing life together with Jesus, doing the things that He does. That's where relationship is built. You know, at that point I hadn't seen cars, but doesn't Mater say the same thing? Wisdom, wisdom from, from Mater and Lightning McQueen? I mean he says, I mean I got these dents, and they're like, we should buff out those dents. And Mater's like, man, you can't buff out that dent. And he tells the story about what happened when that dent, me and Lightning McQueen were doing this when that dent happened. No, you keep that dent. I'm proud of my dents. Well, in your relationship with Jesus, I mean, how how many dents are there where you learned something about him, it went from fact to heart, and you started to ask the question, why does God care so much about that thing? And then you started to ask the question, what would it look like for me to walk with Jesus in that thing that he's really passionate about. And you got scars from it, you know? I think I talked about this a few weeks ago, what it would be like to be with Paul and to see his scars (laughs) and tell the stories about, yeah, me and Jesus were in Antioch. Yeah, I caught a rock upside the face. See that scar right there? Uh, Life together with him. In 1 John, just one example, uh, chapter two, it, it says it this way. And by this we know Truly knowing God necessarily means knowing more than just the facts about him. It means those facts translating into doing life with him. I, uh, sometimes this is, this is really uncomfortable because, because you know, like, like my buddy, I mean, I, you meet him and you find out, man, he's passionate about that thing and that I don't know anything about that. And so instead of asking him to step into my world, if I'm going to know him, I'm going to have to jump over into, into his world. And, and, and to really genuinely care about what that thing is. I remember a few years ago, a, uh, a daddy, I, our boys were just little, and, uh, and a daddy of a teenager asked me to come give him some advice on helping his teenager. At that time, I was working with teenagers a lot. I guess how he thought I was the teenage whisperer. Now, having teenagers, I'm like, man, I didn't know anything about what it meant to be a teenage daddy, and I probably would have had better answers for him if I had given a few years, you know. But, uh, but I was like, all right, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll come over and try to help you. Honestly, I didn't have a lot of answers, but there was one clear, obvious answer. I remember the day because it was really strange because I had, it was an afternoon meeting, going over to their house. I had just enough time beforehand to go for a quick run. It was hot like it's been here lately. And uh, I went for the run, got all cooled off, and I don't know if y'all have ever had this happen. Got all cooled off, felt like you know my pores closed up. I was back to normal. And then I sat down at their kitchen table, and it just flooded. Looked like a drug dealer on you know getting interrogated with truth serum or something. I was just, I mean, sweat just. And I, th- I know they thought, man, why are you so nervous? We're just talking about our teenager. Why, why does that make you nervous? But anyway, after I explained, and I think they believed me that it was just my run, but. He started asking me questions like me and my teenage boy, we're just, we're not connecting. And then I said, well, man, let's, let's play it out. I said, what does it look like? And he said, well, I like to hunt and fish. I said, well, that's, that's great. He said, he likes to play video games. Okay. He won't hunt and fish with me. All right. Do you, do you play, you play video games? With no, I ain't going to play video games, but he won't hunt and fish with me. He doesn't even like hunting and fishing but he likes playing video games. Yeah, but I ain't going to play video games. And we kept on going back and forth again, and I get it. I mean, I mean, if it's Donkey Kong, I'm pretty good. I've been trying to play these games that are like this. You're looking around, and I just get dizzy. But, uh, and I get it that it's not, it's not easy, but it was so obvious. Well, if you, why, don't you just go, why don't you just go sit with him and try to understand why he likes video games so much because then you could connect with him on his turf. And it was like I thought he had never even considered I mean, it seems like most of the time we're trying to ask God to get excited about the things that we're excited about instead of stopping in the new things that we learn about God, then asking, how do we get involved in what he is doing? And we get to know him in that place. Uh, same, kind of same thing. I remember when Terry and I started dating and when we got married, there was a, a family member of hers that I really wanted to get to know. And so I would sit down with him and I would ask him question after question and try to talk to him and he would not even look at me. He just liked to watch the History Channel. So he'd sit there in his recliner and watch the History Channel and I'd ask him questions and try to talk and he didn't want to talk to me and I started to get my feelings hurt and I'd go back to him and say, I don't think he likes me. And she said well, he, no, he like, no, he doesn't like me. He really likes the history channel. And then one time I was kind of fed up with him. We were doing this little road trip, had about 30 minutes in the car together. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to say one word to him. I'm just going to sit in this chair. We're going to drive and I'm going to see if he says one, I'm not going to say anything. So we make the trip, we get down to the end, we get there and he, he like smiles at me and says something nice, and then we do the same thing back. And he's he's kind of nice. And then that well, that time when we left, he was like real nice and said, "I love you" or something. And I went, "What in the world?" And then I realized, connecting with him meant sitting together in silence and just being in the same room together. Now for me, that that meant I was mad at somebody, but for him. That meant that we were connecting. And ever since, now 20 years later, I'm like, you know how? I know how to connect with that guy. We sit in this chair and we watch that history channel. Every once in a while, we giggle a little bit and, you know, burp or something. And then that that we are connected. That's connecting for him. Um, But meeting him in the place that he is, that's what it looks like, knowing God. We learn something new about him. We ask the reason why. Does he care that much about that? And then we look at our life and go, all right, how can I get a dent or a scar with Jesus down that path, walking the path that he wants to walk. A few crazy examples I just want to throw at you. I mean, there's the more obvious ones, uh, but these are just some in my journey that that have been huge. And one of them is that, y'all realize God created the world and uh, and he reveals who he is in creation. I think I just kind of took that for granted growing up. I mean, I I'd look at things and say, man, that, that Waterfall is beautiful, or man, that ocean's cool. But I never put together science and the beauty of nature and the revelation of who God is. But Romans clearly says it it says, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. I mean, creation is screaming who this incredible God is. Our, our Jack, about to turn eight, he uh, the other day is like, man, dad, I want to watch the yellow box show. Yellow box show? Yeah, you know, the yellow box show. So, man, you're going to have to walk me through where the yellow box show is because I don't have any idea what you're talking about. So we start going through the things. He's like, you know, on Disney. So we go to Disney and he's like, over there, yellow box is the, you know, National Geographic yellow box. So then we start going through all the Yellow Box shows. Man, if 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 you don't start worshiping God watching National Geographic, something's wrong with you. Right? I mean again and again and again. I mean we're immediately looking at these fish that are down deep deep in the ocean that nobody sees unless somebody risks their life to go down there and take a quick picture. The only one who sees that fish is God and he created that fish and he's like this fish is good that's who God is. All the intricacies, all the, the ways that the laws of gravity, all that, all, all that works. It's incredible. And it reveals how incredible this, this God is. I mean, if you were part of Brandy's, uh, holy sex class talking about the way the human body is made and parts of the body that are just there for pleasure and what that God did that. What, what does that mean? That there are parts of the body that God just created just for pleasure. That means something God, God did it. He made it. He made this planet. When I'm looking at an ocean wave and it works the way that it works, what do I do with that in my heart? Is that just something that's beautiful to look at? Or do I have to stop and say, man, God did that. Why did he do it that way? It's incredibly beautiful. Our God is, is big. I uh, spent a little time one summer in, in Thailand and I got to know a lot of my friends that were, that were Buddhist. And I would ask him this question, man, who created the world? How did the world come to be? What's the story? Why? And everyone, again and again and again, same answer. The Buddha taught us not to think about that, not to ask that question. Not to, ask, not to ask that question. To me, that seems like the question to ask. And they would say, no, because that, that takes us out of this place of nothingness to worry about things that are too big for us. So we, we just don't ask that question. I mean, well, I don't know about you. I'm going to ask that question. Because it's the, the question that's begging to be asked. Why am I not floating up in the sky off the stage right now? Why do my feet stay on the ground? How can I breathe right now and my lungs take it in and it all works? I don't understand it which only for me makes me more confident that there's a God that does understand it and he's bigger than me. Uh, we got to ask the question. So that's just, that's one example. I I grew up not really even thinking about it. And the more I learn about this truth that God has revealed some of his nature and who he is in creation makes me curious about creation. I want to go get my my feet dirty and climb that hill and, and look at that mountain and figure out what is it? What is he revealing to me through it? It kind of feels like there's a there's a buddy of mine that I I got to be a part of his wedding not long ago. And this is just the most I know uh, He's just the most interesting guy I've met in a long time. And it feels like every time I'm around him, I find out something new. Uh, I think I even showed you a video one time. He's kind of a low kind of even kill kind of guy. And uh, he's at a karaoke bar and jumps up on stage and grabs the guitar and starts playing Thunderstruck. Like, 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 I mean, just I mean, like, where, where did that come from? So I'm at his wedding and his, uh, at his rehearsal dinner and his groomsmen are telling all these stories and it's like, boom, boom, boom. Like story like, this guy did that? One of them was that they all went skateboarding and he brought out his rollerblades and they were all making fun of him, talking smack about his rollerblades. And then he jumps off the side of some big staircase, does a little flip in the air, kicks him up, rolls. And he's they're like, oh, he doesn't just rollerblade. He rollerblades, you know? <laughs> like, man, I just want to find out more about this guy. Well, it feels like that way when we're studying the Bible and we come across something and we're like, oh, God cares. Oh, God cares about that. What would it look like to know God in, in that? Another example for me is that God, God wants us to celebrate. He wants us to remember the good things that he's, that he's done and he, and he wants us to celebrate and, and celebrate big. I think I almost thought that, you know, you just kind of humdrum. Yeah, I love Jesus but you know, all those people celebrate but but you know, the, I'm not I'm just going to kind of be solemn. Man, I, God invites us again and again to these to these celebrations and and celebrate big. I, just an example from 2nd Chronicles says the sons of uh, of Israel present in Jerusalem celebrated the feast of unleavened bread for 7 days with great joy. Now, they celebrated for seven days. This is just one of the reoccurring things that God asked them to do. But it's for seven days with great joy. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day after day with loud instruments to the Lord. Sounds like a pretty like party. Sounds like a pretty good party. Then Hezekiah spoke, encouraging to all the Levites who showed good insight in the things of the Lord. And so they ate good food for the appointed seven days, sacrificing peace offerings and giving thanks to the Lord God of their fathers. Then the whole assembly, guess what they decided? Seven days was not enough to celebrate for another seven days. So they celebrated the seven days with joy. <laughs> now, y'all, when's the, last, when's the last celebration you went to that went seven days? And then if it went the seven days, how many times have y'all looked around at each other, everybody that was at the seven day celebration party, and gone, you know what? Another seven days. You know, we we, we don't do that. We I mean weddings are the great ex- example of this. I mean we, we cut a wedding down to a thirty minute ceremony, and then there are tail lights. Everybody's leaving out in dust. You go to to a wedding in Mexico. It is, it is seven days. And then everybody's like, hey, let's, let's keep on. Let's, let, why are we stopping this? Because a wedding is an example of something that's massive and deserves to be celebrated big. Uh, today, it's, it's Father's Day. I know Father's Day is mixed, man, depending on your situation and background and, and life experience. But, but, I mean, daddies, what does it, what does it look like to, to remember, well... And to celebrate big, you know, wives, what does it look like to celebrate him? Well, children, what does it look like to to celebrate your daddy's? Well, you know, I I think one of my first jobs, uh, my boss, he kind of scolded me. And I think this is probably something out in corporate talk. That's pretty normal. I had never heard it before, but he's like, man, you got to celebrate before you evaluate Mark. Because you immediately start to evaluate what just happened and the success of it. And it's always going to be the 20 things that you need to fix. But before you get into the 20 things you need to fix, why don't you stop for a second and just say, you know what, this thing, this thing I did, this thing that we accomplished, this, that thing was, was good. And I think that's the reason God calls us to celebrate big because we were so quick to forget and to move on and not to stop and to go, you know what? God did that and it was beautiful and it was big and it was good and all of these celebrations that he requires and asks from us, they're, they're all like the Passover. Remember. Remember and, and celebrate big. And don't forget. You know, we've got these, like I said, these uh, twins, boy-girl twins that are about to turn eight. And some of you guys have even been part of uh, a birthday that we usually have for them each year. And every year it's, it's a fight between Terry and I. Like, are we really going to... Are we really going to ha- invite that many people? Or are we really going to have that much food? And, you know, she's an elementary school teacher, so you walk in, it's themed, and there's stuff everywhere, and you get party favors, and you know, the cake's huge, and everything. You know, Man, like, it does it really need that? Is it, does it really require that? <laughs> but then, I, but then I'll remember. You know, wasn't, you know, before the twins were born, we were asking God for a baby and struggling with infertility and had had a failed pregnancy. And I remember standing with my friends asking if God was even real because it seemed like all we were getting. How could a good God, how could we be in this spot? And I'll forget that if I don't celebrate big life. When he gives life, it should be celebrated big, I think we just move past things like that. Another big one, um, community. I, I really kind of just thought this faith and this thing between me and Jesus is just me and Jesus, me and Jesus. You know, you're over there, I'm over here. Yeah, we come together to church together, but really, it's you and me. And and then one day I was reading the, the Lord's Prayer that I had said eight billion times at football before football games, and never really thought about what it said. Our Father, who art in heaven our father. The Lord's prayer is a corporate prayer, our father. Jesus is talking over and over about the oneness in the body and us together and how we do life together. And this is, this is, a, this is a corporate thing and community is important. I mean, Jesus's first uh, miracle, right? He, he turns the water into wine at a wedding because this family is out of wine and, and that's a community thing and a care for this family. And he even says, I, you know, I this, his mom was asking him to do it. And he's like, I don't know. But then he, he does it because he, he cares about the community. He cares about the family. That's his first miracle. What does it look like to connect with him in that? Uh, not long ago, a family in the church, they, uh, they had a family, they had a wedding. And uh, Terry and I got to go and the twins had a part in it. So we were there early. And when we got there, it was this picture, pi- picture, sorry, picture that had a peach tea little name tag there but there wasn't any peach tea in it. And I heard a phone call over the side talking about, oh, the peach tea wasn't going to make it to the party. And I was just sitting there wasting time. So I'm like, I can run down to Dollar General and pick up some peach tea. So I run down there and get some, a bunch of peach tea packets. And then we get back and there wasn't really a good way to get the water from the sink to the thing, but there was an old mason jar. We cleaned it out and got it all clean. And then we'd fill it up and put some peach tea in it, and then we'd run out and fill up the jug and run back and fill up the thing. And people really like peach tea. If you're having a wedding, make sure you got peach tea. So I kept on running back and forth, and then it got to the, to the dance, and so I'd dance a little bit, and then I'd go get some peach tea and go back and fill up the thing. And y'all, I realized about halfway through that, I, it was one of the moments I felt really close to Jesus. Jesus turned the water into wine, brought the drinks to the party, and here I am filling the filling the peach tea and helping this family make sure that there are drinks for everybody. And it just felt like that this He cared about this. It's one of the things that's way down on my priority list, but it was a big deal for Him, and for it to be a big deal for me for a second just felt right and and good, and like He was happy. You know, what are what are things like that? I mean, there are the other obvious things like. Like Jesus, God cares about the outcast and the marginalized. His disciples didn't get it and said, Take the children away. And he said, No, bring the children to me. What, is it, what does it look like to care for, for them? G- Charlie talked about it some last week that, man, he cares about the whole world. He's not, he's not you know, exclusive to this one group of people or this nation. Or Man, he's, he's all inclusive. Uh, main, one of the big things for me is when Jesus is turning over the tables and I always wondered why and then I finally realized he was turning over tables because they had blocked off the area that was made for other nations to come and, and worship Yahweh and so he's like man get these tables out of here man this is for everybody this good news is for everybody what does it look like for me to, to know him there there's a uh, classic movie from the 90s about basketball and race relations. Anybody know what it is? White men can't jump, right? And there's a great scene in, the, in that movie where uh, Woody Harrelson, you know, he's the whole movie, man. He's kind of the, the one that doesn't fit in and is getting made fun of for all of his differences. And, and he's in the car and his teammates in the back seat. And he sticks a tape, cassette tape in the, in the stereo. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, Purple Haze starts playing. So his teammate says, what's that? That's, that's Jimi Hendrix. I said, well, why are you playing Jimi Hendrix? I, I like to listen to Jimi Hendrix. And he says, yeah, you like to listen to Jimmy, but you can't hear Jimmy. You can listen to Jimmy, but you can't hear Jimmy. What was he talking about? He said, man, man yeah, you, you, from a different culture, you're from a different background, you, you can't connect with Jimmy at a heart level in the same way that, that I can. You just, you just can't. You can listen to him, but, but you can't hear him. You know, our, our, our God has invited us not just to know about him, but to know him. Not just to listen, but to, but to hear. And it's possible. It's, he invites it. He wants it. But we gotta step into it. We gotta take things that we know, digest them, ask the deeper questions, and then look at our life and say, man, how how does this play out? Where's the empty peach tea bottle that I need to go fill up? Where is the person who's on the outside that nobody notices, that Jesus notices? How do I connect with them in that way? Where's Where's the party? Where's the celebration? Where's the thing that needs to be celebrated in my world or somebody else's that's not being celebrated? And we need to look at that and say, God did that and that's big. Let's celebrate big, our incredible God. What's the thing in creation that you're passing by every day? You're not even seeing it. And it's screaming out at you, his faithfulness. you let me pray that we would see those things and take advantage of them. Father, I, uh, I do. I think that you are absolutely incredible and other than us, holy. And it is amazing that you would invite us to know you in this way personally. And uh, I confess, I take it, take advantage of it, take it for granted, don't pursue it a lot of times. And I'm asking you that this would be a summer, that this would be a week, that uh, those truths that we know would, would filter down to our hearts and that you would give us clear practical steps to go... <laughs> do life in real time with you and know you in that place. Father, I ask you that you would, you would do it for our good, but even more for your, for your glory and great name on the earth. Amen.